Welcome to Let's Talk, Ed and Zahi. We are talking about access and support for higher education. And in our last episode, uh, we started talking about early college access. And uh, since that last episode, uh, there was a little bit more as we talked that uh, you said, hey, I want to add more onto this. So uh, I'll, I'll let you start and, and we'll kind of reference back to that previous show and then transition into this week's topic. Yeah, so so we 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 talked about the uh, increase in dual enrollment and how certain districts are adding more AP and and international baccalaureate and and articulated classes and middle and early college and what have you. So the, 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 when we talk about issues of diversity and inclusion in in higher education, we're faced with two issues: is that those uh, school K through 12 districts that are offering those opportunities are typically the ones that are less diverse in terms of racial uh, and ethnic uh, background, but also perhaps a bit more affluent, whether it's a district or a school uh, itself. So on the one hand, we're getting, you know, basically on the other hand, when we talk about uh, a, a, um, a demographic uh, issue in higher education and a loss of students, we have lower completion and in, in uh, rates in, in two-year colleges. So how can we bring those together and enhance the population uh, that we have is the challenge that we need to think about, right? Because if you get the same number, but you lose so many of them while you're teaching them, for instance, the logic will tell you that if you keep more of those that you already have, you're going to have better numbers. And if you open the doors for people to come in, but you don't create, I mean, you open doors, but then you get a moat and you don't get a ramp that goes across, then are you, uh, are you doing your, yourself a favor? So how can we, you know, bring those two together is the challenge that I was thinking uh, about. And that actually one of your comments, uh, brought to my mind. Well, and, and in this week's episode, what, what we want to talk about specifically is providing more support for, um, you know, these things. And, and specifically, one of the references or one of the models that, that we want to talk about is the IBEST model uh, out of, of Washington State. And, and Zahi, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about uh, what that is and how that works for our, our viewers and listeners that may not be familiar with that. Yeah, we're not going to stop at the iBest. We're going to discuss a couple of other uh, things to support our students. I, I mean, I say things. Uh, so iBest stands for, it's, it's an abbreviation for Integrated Basic Education and Skills Training. In other words, let's say you're teaching welding, for example, and you know that the areas of gap uh, amongst your student body is going to be in the mathematical elements like your measurements, your, your fractions, your conversions, what have you. The IBEST model has shown that uh, there would be absolute gain for that student or those students to and, and complementing, the, in that case, the welding teacher or an English teacher, 
complementing that. And, it, it, you know, uh, I've seen it from Washington State in, in Wenatchee uh, Valley. Uh, they were helping uh, students who are uh, um, migrant farm workers with their English while they're teaching them agriculture and food safety and what have you. So they had, you know, that was the integration. They were teaching them the uh, uh, English as a second language while they were teaching them the subject matter. So uh, speaking of contextualization that we talk very commonly about. Now, the, the challenge that many people, as soon as you bring it up, many people throw back at you is the idea, well, we can barely afford one teacher. How can we afford two teachers in a classroom? Which is verifiably a good question. However, let's pause and let's look at the, the why and, and the impact. When we have so many of our classes where and, and programs where students are not persisting and completing to enhance uh, that from a budgetary perspective is a return that should far exceed the salaries and, and wages of the faculties in the um, that are concurrently present. Now, this is on the money uh, topic, but in reality, we should be looking at it from the perspective of are we serving the students, are we supplers, our society, and our general health and wealth of our communities? And how can we not be supporting them when we're targeting right then and there, using subject matter experts, the areas of gap? So, you know, we just talked about it, and the IBEST model originally was from a skill training coupled with a basic education instruction but think about it from a, any number of different models think about it from the liberal arts and you know like like your sociology class with the english uh, class that supports the the writing so think about it in the physics and math model i think i think at, at DePaul you had something uh, start teasing and now we can start seeing the impact that we can have on our students Yeah, and you know, to me, especially when you're talking about your your sort of intro level type classes, um, where you know, if you have a, an intro level physics class, for example, um, not every single person in that class is going to end up uh, being in the field of physics in some way, shape, or form, or engineering in some way, shape, or form. They may be taking that class because that is something that they need to do for their degree uh, that, that falls somewhere else. So the idea that you could have somebody there to help with the math end of that, for example, um, to me is so much better than going in and, and saying, well, if you don't get this, there's a, a tutoring department over here. Um, you know, that doesn't feel like a good way to serve the students. Uh, when I was in high school, I did uh, an applied physics class that was a, a team taught class. And that was sort of the, the concept of it is, you know, one of the teachers had this math background to help specifically with the math parts of that. And, um, you know, it was very beneficial for a lot of the students because it, it helped them 
big picture, understand everything they were talking about. And and really, in, in that particular class, uh, it, it helped them contextualize the why of the math and not just I'm following this formula because that's what I've been taught. It, it was also getting into the the why of it and the critical thinking aspect of it. So I think having that and and when you look at other classes, you know, again, let's let's have that English teacher come in and and help with a history class and work on some of the composition or you know, a lot of the career and technical programs will have some sort of a, you know, business writing type class. Uh, why not have somebody that, that has an English background in that that can help contextualize some of those things? So I think it's really important, uh, you know, for students to do that. And, you know, as you said, the the completion is better and it's just better for students. And, um, you know, not to say that we're never going to tutor a student again, um, but if we can do some of that, that triage before, because uh, if you go to a tutor and you have zero understanding, um, like it's going to be hard to get the right services even out of a tutor. Uh, but if you've got somebody there that can no help doubt, walk Chris. you through that, I think that's great. I was going to say, uh, uh, yeah, so no doubt. And especially if we try to tie our classes together why do we teach composition one why is that necessary why couldn't it be in support of the other disciplines right and and so on uh, however we shouldn't we shouldn't stop at the ibest model we should also think about peer-led tutoring because sometimes students study better from their peers so how can we get a peer who's a head who's trained to be an, another teacher, right? Uh, it could be recasting. It could be helping understand from a, you know, uh, from a peer in age or, or in status where, where a teacher is not considered to be of similar status by so many students. Similarly, supplemental instruction. And there are a variety of different tools that we have not really, um, unleashed and used effectively. At the end of the day, the creation of a cohort is what all of those tend to do. And why is a cohort very important? A cohort is extremely important because it helps create a network of support for that student. So that, uh, cohorts don't happen just because we snapped our fingers. They happen because we've, we've created the framework and we've grease those wheels of the engine and we you know we provided them with the uh you know power to get started in california there's the mesa program for for the sciences math and engineering and science academy that is that is a state sponsored initiative whereby all people who are interested in the stem can congregate and that creates a uh, you know a, a cohort dynamic, and they they have a faculty sponsor and and what have you. So again, we don't need that rigid framework, and we may not be able to get the monies that Mesa get. However, we can create something akin to that in our 
entities that that create learning moments amongst the students by the uh, subject matter expert, but also by a peer and and help show that student that there is somebody that's going to be walking with them. So eventually it ends up enhancing the completion, the retention and the completion, which helps bridge the gaps that we're seeing in terms of enrollment numbers. In my opinion, did you agree? Is that how you're seeing it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got to wrap up on this episode. We've been talking about uh, providing more support for our students as we've talked about access and support for higher education. And some of this sounds very expensive, and that's something that we're going to address in our our next episode. So if you enjoy programs like this here on Let's Talk Ed, be sure and subscribe to us. Ring that bell down below here on YouTube. You'll get notified when we post new content. And of course, you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.